Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. All right, we are back today with another interview. Guys, we're having a lot of fun doing these, and we hope that you guys are too. But we have one of our good friends and another coworker on today, Molly Cover. So welcome. Welcome, Molly. Thanks for having we're excited me, guys. To have I'm you. Really happy to be here. Yeah. yeah. We were just kind of talking with Molly. She's the mom to four boys, which I'm sure she'll tell us more about her personal life, but just like four boys, guys, and all the broken bones <laughs> since I've worked with Molly for... Last year, now? year, last year was a special year, and you got to experience all of our ER and urgent yes, care. So lot. many. I have visits. one four-year-old little girl who's like pretty safe. So I'm always like, wow. I'm just like looking at. Last Molly, summer like, <laughs> was an intense summer for us. <laughs> Lots of broken bones, but yeah, Christian, tell everyone what we're kind of talking about. Today. Yes, today we are actually talking about sex. So here we are again talking about this topic. We talked about this a few weeks ago. If you guys have not listened to our interview with Grace and Warren on just sexual pass and what that looked like for her moving into marriage and her relationships and just her testimony and story of faith in general. We had that conversation with her and honestly got tons of really encouraging, awesome feedback from you all. We felt like even going into that conversation with Grayson, it was a felt need that we wanted to talk about, but then even heard more and more from you all as listeners that you wanted more conversation about that, wanted to dive in, felt like it was a topic that no one was willing to talk about or open to talking about. And so kind of in conversation that we have had with Molly, who's a few years older than both Samantha and I, but just even in her story, we, in conversation around the office and just as friends in general in life, we've had some really awesome conversation about that same topic. And so She is braving us with talking about it again. And so we hope this conversation is really, I don't know, just insightful, encouraging, and also just brings some reality to the emotions that everyone may feel in this topic. If those are good things or bad things or hard things, we hope that we come to it today with sensitivity and also just understanding that everyone's experience is different. Yeah, so we understand it's a sensitive topic. And then I think even us having to kind of go through all of that that we just said kind of points us to why we wanted to have this conversation. We don't want you guys to think like, okay, all these girls want to talk about now is sex. But in a way, like, why is there such a big kind of like heaviness when we say that word in Christian context or Christian circles? And I think it's because no one really does have these conversations. So kind of coming to the table as you're listening, please have that perspective of like, yeah, this is sensitive. These are conversations that Molly and I, and Christian and have had really privately. And I do think a lot of these, a lot of change and good conversations come when we sit across the table and kind of can like go back and forth and really understand context to things. But we just wanted to still have this conversation and bring you guys into it, but also have some perspective, I guess, as you're listening. So Molly, will you start off by telling everyone who you are, what your family is, what you're about? Yeah. So my name's Molly. I am married to my husband, David. We've been married for 13 years now, and we have four boys, like Samantha said. Our boys are nine, eight, five, and three, and they are a You're ton not of busy fun. at all. No, super chill. So chill. Your so house chill. is so calm. It's very quiet. Full of serenity. Very quiet. Honestly, <laughs> it's funny because you get like two reactions from people when you say that you have four boys. They're either like, oh my gosh, their jaw's on the floor, and they're like, that sounds like my worst nightmare. Or they're like, oh my gosh, that sounds so fun. It sounds so fun. And to honestly, me. for us, it's really fun. Yeah. I always wanted 
boys. I always wanted all boys. Mm-hmm. People think that like our fourth was like trying for a girl. Mm-hmm. I was like, absolutely not. I was yes. trying for boy at, number four. At so that point, fun. I think you would just be like shocked at the Honestly, little girl. Honestly, <laughs> at that point, I was stressed. You'd be like, what like, do I do? Well, and we didn't find out the gender until he was born. Oh, and so like, I really was like, if this is a girl, my world is about to be turned upside down. Yeah. My sweet no. husband still wants a girl, but. Uh-uh. Go for a fifth, Molly. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I work here at The Crossing part-time. I'm on our digital team. I work with Samantha, which is really fun. And I've worked actually at The Crossing since I graduated from college, which was a really long time ago. So I've worked in various roles at The Crossing when we had our first son pulled way, way, way back with work. And then since having kids have just kind of gradually increased my hours, have switched teams a little bit. But right now I work a few days a week on our digital team and really, really enjoy it. We are excited, again, to kind of approach this conversation with you. So why don't you even just start off by even in this topic, we've obviously caveated a lot, even in the first few minutes of this conversation. But I guess from you, like, what do you feel like is so maybe taboo or why does sex feel like such a hard thing to talk about in the Christian world, especially for women? What has that kind of looked like in your story a little bit? Yeah, that's a great question. Okay. I think that sex is taboo in some sense for good reasons. It is the most intimate part of your marriage. It's really, the three of us here believe that God's design for sex is really good and right, that it's made for marriage. It's made to make you closer with your spouse. And like all things in marriage, it points to something bigger. It points to Christ and the church. And so when you think about things like that, it really is a heavy topic. And then Everything about sex is really, it's just vulnerable and intimate, and it's not something that needs to be shared with everyone, needs to be talked about all the time. Fast forward to where we are now in our culture, where sex has just turned into, it's everywhere, it's, I feel like our culture is very much like, your sexuality is your own, and it's your right to have sex with anyone, anywhere, anytime, anyway, like, free sex is just kind of a given. And so now as Christians, it's a little bit confusing because we don't want to follow the culture. We don't want to be talking about sex all the time. We don't want to sexualize everything. But at the same point, like God created sex and we are sexual beings. So if you look at sex for Christians, it is hard to navigate. And I think that's kind of how this conversation really came up the first time Samantha and I were in our office. We were talking about this Veritas, which is our college ministry here. They had a dating panel and I was on it. And Samantha and another coworker of ours were like, hey, were there any like kind of hard, spicy questions? And to me, the hardest question was, I've had sex before marriage. I regret it. How do I talk to the person I'm dating about it? And it's just... I don't know. It just made me feel heavy for that person because I think because Christians hold a high value of sex, when we have sex outside of marriage, there can be really intense shame and regret around that. And I think anytime we have sin in our lives, we should lament that. But I feel like with sex, there's this extra component and I think some of it has been church culture. And I don't want to point fingers because I think Hindsight's 2020. We can look at things like purity culture and things from the church in the past that maybe weren't handled perfectly, but I think everyone's doing 
their best. It was born mm-hmm. out of really good intentions of yes. our family, our youth pastors and our parents. Yes. We all three grew up in church. We've talked about yes. all the funny stories yes. of the, our purity culture and purity the purity, rings, con- purity contracts and, and the, no. yes and so like when i look back at that i can feel kind of like i don't think that was healthy at all like no one was really yeah. talking to us about like what would happen if we did have sex and like why yes. it was important not to however we're all saying like we believe that was bred out of like really really good intentions yeah. good I intentions do. and yeah. just like good thought of like these are good things to put in place because we need yes. limitations as humans and we, i think now like once you're married you've had sex, you've had to work through hard things, maybe you're still working through hard things, you can look back at your dating life and think like, if I had put boundaries here, 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 and here, I would not have the sexual sin and baggage that I brought into my marriage. And I think that's, you know, in some sense, that's good to be able to look back on that. But when you put that on younger people without having other conversations, I think it can just turn into some legalism And I kind of feel like the way I grew up, and I can't point to any one person that did this, and it could have just been in my head, but I felt like sex outside of marriage was the biggest sin you could commit. Yeah. That (laughs) if you had sex before marriage, you were essentially ruined. And I don't think that that's true. I think that it has huge impact on your life, on your soul, maybe even on your physical health. But I think that God sees all sins equally and just because they affect us and our hearts differently doesn't mean that we need to bear the weight and the shame of that because that's why Jesus died. We're already forgiven. So I think that's kind of how the conversation came up. And I just, on that Veritas dating panel, kind of wanted to emphasize, like, if you've had sex before, yeah, that is hard and you should lament that, but you really are forgiven and you don't need to bear that shame and you don't need to bear that weight. I think the flip side to the Christians I know that have had sex before marriage, regret it, have worked through shame, have worked through their past, have felt that forgiveness, have moved on. That's awesome. But then there's also other people that really have waited until marriage and they haven't had sex and they have put up whatever boundaries they've put up and then they get married and they're like, oh my gosh, I've spent so long thinking that sex is bad. And maybe no one's ever said sex is bad, but you've just heard about how damaging it can be before marriage that when you get married and all of a sudden, like you've got a ring on your finger, you've walked down the aisle and you're supposed to have sex and know what you're doing. It turns out you maybe don't. Our minds and our bodies are connected. And I think often we want to think that they're not, but they really are. And so if in your mind you've thought, sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad. I need to avoid it for 20, 30 years of your life. And then all of a sudden have to turn around and be like, within like four hours. Yeah. With the, yeah. (laughs) After having a party with everyone you've ever known, then you're expected to go back to your hotel room and have sex. And everyone knows what you're doing. I know. (laughs) It's so much pressure. And so I think that was part of the conversation that I've, I had it with Samantha. And then it just kind of like, came up with other friends and when I brought it up everyone's just nodding their head really big nods because you kind of have one side or the other or maybe a mix of both where like you didn't have sex before you were married but you really struggled physically which is kind of where I was and so by the time you did get married there was just a lot of baggage there there was a lot of emotional baggage from your sin and from guilt and shame that you maybe didn't process and for some people that's a lot bigger than others like 
Grayson's story is amazing. And I loved that episode and the interview that you did with her. But her story was really heavy and has required a lot of counseling. And I think it's amazing, you know, where she is and the wisdom that she has through that. But for other people, maybe it's not that you need counseling, but it's like, man, you need some time with God to figure out what's going on. You need some time with your spouse to figure out what's going on in your head and your heart. And I don't know that we're always set up to win in that situation. I think sometimes we're thrown in to your wedding night and your honeymoon and you're expected to come home and just be madly in love and have had a week of great sex. And the reality is, I don't know anybody that has that story. Yeah. Well, something huge is dawning on me and it's very obvious, but I just am processing it. It's like in the Christian context, before you get married, sex is like really heavily talked about. I mean, you just said Veritas has done a whole like relationship thing, a lot of questions about like sex before marriage. It's it's talked about openly. The emotion issues that can happen, the you know, all the things yes. that can happen. But other than maybe an older girl in your life sitting down with you right mm-hmm. before your wedding night and saying like, "Hey, did you know this this and this? Let me get you this." Like, yeah. Those conversation and then it's literally never talked about again. Yeah. And then it's kind of like in small groups even I've noticed if it, if someone brings it up even slightly, it's just like a, a thing that people don't talk about. And so yeah. where is – what's that healthy boundary? We agree that it's vulnerable and it's weird mm-hmm. and, you know, there is some sacredness to it. But where's that boundary of like, no, this should be talked about amongst Christian women. If yeah. like, like if you're sitting here listening and you're the girl who's constantly thinking like, I really don't like having sex or I never want to have sex. Like that's not maybe something we should continue to just kind of joke about. Like maybe that's there's something to that and we need to peel that back and see. Definitely. Well, if God did, we hear that like, okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, God wants us to have sex and marriage. It's good. Why aren't we desiring that? Can there be a solution to it? Yeah, that's a great point. Great question. And actually, Christian and I were talking about this beforehand because Because this is a sensitive topic, I don't think that it's something to take lightly after marriage. I think the first reason is because sex is between you and your spouse. And so the communication starts there. And that was some really good advice I got before I was married. I remember my cousin sitting me down and was like, as long as you're communicating, like things will work themselves out. But when you stop talking about things and when you don't communicate, it's just it's not going to mm, go well. And good. that's kind of a good rule for life mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, for anything. But yeah, for anything. But I also think this is a topic that because it's sensitive, it's meant to be shared. If there are things you need to process, you need to seek out your closest friends, your wisest friends, your friends that are trustworthy. Because I do think we can have a tendency when sex comes up in groups to kind of be jovial about it because yes. it's awkward. And it's just easier to make jokes or it's easier to latch on to like cultural norms of like men always want sex, women don't. Ha ha. Isn't that funny? And I don't think it is funny. And I don't think it's true for a lot of marriages. And that's honestly been something that's been damaging in our marriage when I do desire sex and I feel like, oh, I feel abnormal as opposed to like, no, this is- I relate to that. This is totally normal and this is healthy and good and actually a blessing and I should be thankful. But I think that you have to be careful about the group that you're sharing with because I've personally been in groups where I do feel like people can overshare in a way that's insensitive Mm -hmm. and you don't always know how it's going to shut somebody else down because if you're sharing, oh my gosh, we have a great sex life, things are fun, things are awesome- There could be another woman at that table that's thinking, 
I feel so alone right now. I am struggling and now there's absolutely no way I'm going to be vulnerable with this group or anyone here because everyone's just smiling and nodding. So I must be the odd one out. And the reality is you're not the odd one out. I think that seeking out one or two close friends, if you're married, I would suggest seeking out other married women or if it's a single friend, a single friend that's really trustworthy and somebody that's really for you and for your spouse that wants to see your marriage succeed. And I think it's really easy as women to want to champion our friends and villainize the husband when things are hard. But I try to really seek out, if I'm struggling, to have friends that are like, hey, I want you to do well, but I want your husband to do well too. And here's what I'm seeing from the outside, and here's how I'd like to help. So I think there is a fine line. Like with this whole topic, you can argue one side or the other, and we aren't experts. But I think that's one thing I've learned is if I can find some close friends to share things that I'm struggling with, and I know that they will be kind and gentle and prayerful, that's what you're looking for. And that's kind of what you need in this situation. And I hope that we can kind of normalize this in Christian circles where it's not a joking matter, where it's not something that we're insensitive about, but something we take really seriously as a part of our marriage, just as seriously as I would take you saying, we never have a date night. I would go, oh my gosh, you need to have date nights. Mm -hmm. And so if you're saying we never have sex because it's hard for all these different reasons, or it brings up all these emotional things from our past, I don't think that we should say, well, that's not that big a deal. Like you can survive without it because we know you can, Yeah, but it is a part of marriage for a reason. Well, and even interesting that you just said, like, when a girl says we don't have sex because these emotional things are X, Y, and Z, I think often we're probably hearing girls just, like, flippantly say, like, oh, my gosh, I, like, hate sex or, like, oh, I never want – but it's, like, even helping them get to, okay, wait, let's let's pause. Like, hey, I heard you say that. Like, Mm -hmm. why is it? Is it just, like – is it painful for you? Mm-hmm. Is there do you and your spouse not feel like your needs are both mm-hmm. being met? Like yeah. what is it that is keeping you from desiring that? Because I heard you say that the other day, and there's actually like, let's figure out why. Yeah. Cause I just think oftentimes we haven't even done the work to look at that next step of a deeper reasoning. No. And I think it's something that takes time. It's not something you're probably going to figure out your first year of marriage. I think there are people that like that's something that has not been a struggle, and that's amazing. And I'm that's just amazing. But I think for most people, it's going to take years of work. And I would say 13 years into marriage, like it's still something we have to communicate about and think through and process and things change. And hopefully that can be something within trusted groups of Christian women we can encourage one another in and pray for each other about and care about and not treat it as something that's either separate from your relationship with your husband or separate from your relationship with God. Yeah, that's so good. You have said like so many good things. I'm like, oh my gosh, how do I wrap my head around all these things? I want to go back to because I think it's so interesting, even as we have this conversation, even us three, we have different stories about our sex lives currently or a past or whatever that may look like with our husbands. But even talking to the girl who's listening who, you know, there's several different boats here, but I think one common kind of thread we all see through that is this level of shame that is around either the topic or your yeah. past or your present yeah. or your current just thought about it or, or if your you body do feelings up. about Yes, mm-hmm. like all of the yes. things. So talk to us about what has that looked like for you? What has like shame in this area looked like? Mm-hmm. But then also like how do we combat that? What do we what do we yeah. do, you know, 
as women, as Christian women, married or single, what do we do to fight that shame? And then also like going into relationship, what does that look like fighting shame? Yeah. I think an important thing to differentiate is like, when do you feel shame and when do you feel conviction? Because I do think before marriage, when I would struggle physically in my relationship with my husband, I would feel shame and conviction. And conviction is from the Holy Spirit and is opportunity to like see a flashing red light and go, okay, this is bad. I need to turn away from this. But shame is something that kind of sticks with you. And shame is not from the Holy Spirit. Shame is not from God. And so if you are feeling shame, I would encourage you to spend time with God reflecting, spend time in scripture. Remember what Jesus did for you on the cross. He died to take away that shame. But if you're also feeling conviction, that's a blessing because that's a way to turn away from sin in your life. And I think turning away from sin prior to marriage, when it comes to sex before marriage or anything in your physical relationship, the biggest thing I say, and this is like a hindsight's 2020 thing for me, but find some close friends. Maybe it's your small group. Maybe it's a small group leader. Maybe it's a sister. You don't need a huge group, but you need one or two people you can be really honest with and that can be honest with you and have permission to be honest with you. And that's something I didn't have in my early 20s. And I have it now. I'm so thankful for it. But I do think you need to have a couple friends that have permission to go, how are things going? How are things going really? And those friends are going to be the ones that also show you grace. They're not going to shame you for where you are or where you've been, but they're going to encourage you. And some of it might be encouraging you with practical boundaries. Like, sounds like you guys probably shouldn't hang out after 10 p.m. I was gonna if say, it doesn't like, go well. I heard you, know? you come in our house or our apartment yeah. like at this time in the yes. morning. Like, what was going on? Yes. Yes, totally. And I think, honestly, like, those are really good things. And for sure, they can not go well. But if you have trusted friends, I would say that's where to go. I think if you're married and you're still dealing with shame, I think that's a really common thing. It's a common trend I've heard. I dealt with it. I know lots of Christian women that are like, okay, I know I'm married and I know that sex is good, but somehow I still like battle feeling guilty about it. That's really normal. There are lots of resources out there. I would really encourage just some counseling. That would be the biggest resource. I think it's another time to find close Christian friends that are in the same boat that would say, hey, let me pray for you. Let me remind you of God's promises. And also just communicating with your spouse. Hey, I'm really struggling with this. Like, can we pray together about this? Can we work on this together? Because when you feel shame, you turn in. You don't want to go out. You don't want to share with other people. You don't want to be vulnerable. But I think that if you're feeling shame, remember, that is not from the Holy Spirit. Conviction is, and learn to differentiate the two. That's good. That's so good. Molly, we could just keep diving into these conversations. And I hope that as you guys listen to this podcast and you get to hear little like kind of just surface level points of all these topics that you're encouraged and inspired to develop relationships in your real life that can go deeper. Like I'm Mm -hmm. thinking of, you know, the way that we even got to this topic today. It's like we were getting to have like casual lunch conversations about these really intimate, vulnerable topics. And that's where really cool things can happen. And so I hope that you guys have people in your lives that you can have deeper conversations like this with and if not can work towards that but we really appreciate you coming and being open and vulnerable because I know it's a topic that kind of is scary in the Christian world so thanks for having me you said so many good things and we really appreciate your wisdom and yeah thanks for everything you shared hey thanks for going there with us 
If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Bye.